The following resource is by CBC Mokopani. For more resources like this, check out our website at www.christbaptistmokopani.com. Friends, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy 6. I don't want to take too much time. We've uh, spent so much time reflecting on God's goodness, especially in the form of, of Him sending servants. Um, and David, I thank you for coming out. You know, Pastor Jan and, and David Frew started out this ministry and look where we are, you know, a couple of weeks ago we celebrated five years just of God's grace. And we anticipate that grace to continue in our church and in our community. Um, I want to just personally thank Pastor Jan and Andrea for the privilege that you've given us by serving this congregation for five years. And the Lord was faithful in that. They committed themselves to five years and to anticipate what would happen next. And the Lord was loyal and faithful to that. I think that the testimonies regarding your faithful work um, carry quite a long list. <laughs> and, um, you know, folks even share testimonies of moments when they briefly met you. Chris told us he just met you a few times and the impact that it had left. You know, not many people know your silent sufferings. Not many people know that as a family, the countless things you had to give up for the ministry. But people do know your love for Christ. People do know your love for His people in the sacrifices that you have made. And so I really want to just personally thank the two of you. I want to thank your family, your children. I want to thank you, Pastor Johan, for taking me alongside yourself and seeing me as your equal. I think that was just so, it was so humbling that it was so overwhelming. That I've had the opportunity to, to work with you. Um, despite, you know, the experience, you have four times as much experience as I do, yet you regarded me as an equal in Christ. But as a couple, my wife and I really look up to you as parents. And we are thankful. We're thankful that you've taken us under your wings. We, we're thankful that you've been such faithful examples as, as God's servants. So friends, I, I really, I couldn't come up with anything. So I had to pray. And isn't that what every faithful pastor should do? Pray that the word of God would go forward. And so there was a, a passage that kind of just waited me because I want to address us as a church but I also want to address Pastor Johan and his wife and his family. So 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 through 14, just kept knocking on my heart. And it's a, te a text that defines the man of God. Now, we could use the woman of God, the man of God. Yes, the context does refer to Timothy and the example that Timothy was to set to his people. But we'll, we'll, we'll have a universal application to this text. So let me read it for us and then um, just jump into the various definitions and see how we can encourage Pastor Jan and Ria, but also us as a church, because the faithful work has to continue here in Mokopani. So Paul writes to Timothy and he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness fight the good fight of the faith 
Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, what is a man of God? Paul describes Timothy as a man of God, but what does this phrase mean? Now, you know, in seminary, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Rocky experienced that, David experienced that, Quibus is experiencing that. A lot of our African brothers love to refer to those who have been put aside, you know, for the ministry as man of God. And they would always greet you with this terminology. How are you, man of God? Right? And, and it was difficult at first because, you know, what is that? What do you, what do you mean by this? Now, my African brothers use it as a term to describe God's man. Amen? God's man. This person belongs to God. Their ministry, their life belong, belongs to God. This is to say that a man who belongs personally to the Lord, a man whom God in the truest and highest sense owns and possesses, it's God's man. A man of God. This is not a man who belongs to the world. This is not a man who belongs to culture or even to the church. This is not a man who belongs to a denomination or an association. You know, referring to those who have been ordained. This is God's man. Amen? A man who personally belongs to God. And it brings us to four features in this text. Paul highlights four things when he talks to Timothy. The first thing he says is, this man, this man who belongs to God, flees from greed. Now we could say all evil, and in the truest sense, that would be the application. But for the sake of our context, it's the one who flees from greed. I'll read just the first portion of verse 11 again. He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. That's all Paul says in this verse. But as Pastor Johannes faithfully taught us, we always study the context. So in studying the context of this verse, the question is, what things is the man of God to flee from? We can go back down to verse 9 and 10. It says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. That's a hard word, isn't it? It's something to consider. It's something that should strike our convictions. Paul tells young Timothy, flee from the love of money. Because listen up, various people go into ministry believe it or not, for money. Paul says, flee from these corruptions. Now, here's the deal. Whether this has ever been a desire for any of us or not, Paul lists this for a purpose. 
There are people who have realized you can make a lot of money from sheep that have been wandering. And so they come into the ministry only to further kill and destroy. However, God's Word tells us that a faithful teacher will not be a taker. A faithful man of God is a giver. Amen? That a faithful man of God is, is marked by the eagerness and the willingness to give. It also tells us that the man of God, specifically in the office of a pastor, is to be supported. You can't say, no, no, you can't support the man of God. Paul makes the case for this in 1 Corinthians verse 9. He tells us that the man, who, the man who belongs to God has the right to be supported. In fact, God's word says, The Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. And the Lord's hand has truly been on the windows. By caring for them and providing and ensuring that this word is lived out upon their lives. That has been the, past, the, the character of, of Pastor Han throughout his ministry. Uh, friends, many of us don't know this, but the Widdenholes gave to this ministry. They gave of their own financially. They made that sacrifice to ensure that God's work here in Mokopani would be established. Now, they would have never mentioned that, and I, I don't feel out of place saying that, but I think it's something we should know, that a, a man of God is a faithful giver. And so we praise the Lord, that instead of, of ever wanting or desiring greed, the windows have always wanted to give. This is how they've labored behind the curtain for us. And here's the deal, Pastor Johan has never put a price on ministry. Because that is the man of God's desire. To not put a price tag on ministry. That's the first feature of a man of God. As a man of God is known by what he flees from. And what he flees from is the love of money. Dear friends, if you are pursuing a position in your job just for financial incentive, not considering how that will rob you from your family, not considering how that will take you out of your position in the church, I want to declare God's word to you this morning. And encourage you to flee from that greed. Because that as a Christian is not how we ought to be defined. Because a man of God is also known by what he or she pursues. Amen. And that is to pursue godliness. A true Christian pursues godliness. The man of God pursues godliness. Verse 11b. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. This, this means to keep on pursuing, to always be running away from, but toward. And that's the Christian life. It's an effort to run from evil and to pursue good. Are you with me? At no point in the race do we stop and say, I can't. 
His grace is sufficient. Keep pursuing good. Now, yes, this is a command for every believer, but particularly for those in leadership. 1 Peter 3 verse 10 says, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Christian, seek peace and pursue it. Furthermore, Proverbs 15 verse 9 tells us, The Lord loves him that pursues righteousness. Now how do you know if the the hand of God is upon someone's life? By the reality that they are still prospering. And when I say prospering, I don't mean uh, an influx of finances or comfort, spiritual incentive. Prosperity, prosperity, sorry, even in the face of adversity, when people you've worked with for years turn on you, yet the Lord is guiding you. The Lord is comforting you. That's how you know the Lord loves the one who is pursuing righteousness. As a Christian, we cannot pursue success in the, in the sense that the, the, the size of the church should grow. We cannot pursue fame, popularity, or even possessions. Because what does Proverbs tell us once again? In a moment, they all fly away. And then what do you have? So, the man of God pursues what glorifies God and what God commands Next, the man of God pursues godliness. Now, godliness looks on the inside, at at reverence, at holiness, at devotion to the Lord. Godliness is seen by our example, how we act and react to the things around us. But where does godliness begin? It begins in the secret place, where you don't see me. Where no one sees me. Where only the Lord sees my heart. That's where godliness begins. At the core. And so if there's no indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there is no godliness. Now when does godliness show its face? I'll give you one example. Godliness shows its face. Because it's marked by true contentment. When you are truly content. I must tell you this friends. You are aware of what's been happening in the life of the windmills the last couple of of months. But one thing I've constantly seen and we visit each week is contentment. That is true godliness. When you are content in the sovereign hand of God. When it's not nice. When it's trialing. When it's devastating. When you're hurt. But you remain content in God's sovereign hand. The man of God also pursues faith. Faith in this sense means the confident trust in God for everything. 
What Pastor Jan and Rio are exhibiting right now is a lot of faith as they have to once again back up and move. Complete trust in God for everything. My dear friends, I know COVID has struck us. It has not put us on the back foot, right? It has put us on the backside. But where's our trust? We, we, who do we believe in? What do we believe in? To pursue faith means to confidently trust in God for everything. Because God is sovereign. And His hand is over all things. And it is in all things. To pursue faith means we don't get frustrated. We keep trusting. We keep trusting. And we keep trusting. Therefore, accompanied by the pursuit of faith is love. The man of God who, 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 who loves is a man that loves others. Friends, this is an unrestricted love. I've said this numerous times from the pulpit. We can't sugarcoat our friendliness to those around us by being pretentious. To love one another means to bear with one another. So if a loved one has been sharing the same grief that they've experienced for over a year, and you've heard the story a hundred times. In fact, when you hear the story, it feels like you want to get annoyed by it. True love bears with one another. That means you willingly open your ears and you weep with those who weep. There's two more. Paul tells Timothy, pursue steadfastness and gentleness. Firstly, steadfastness is the endurance because a faithful man of God is in it for the long haul. Once again, it's a testimony of Pastor and his family's character. They've been in it for the long haul. R.C. Sproul once said, um, I'm paraphrasing, it's not the exact quote, but I'll stop, I'll stop preaching when you take the Bible from my cold, dead hands. And he did that. By God's grace, R.C. Sproul did that. He had an oxygen oxygen tank on stage, preaching. Taking moments to just breathe a little bit and then preach. I've heard Pastor Johan say the same thing. Brother, he said to me, I'll stop the day that I can't anymore. That is someone who loves God. Dear friends, I want us to be challenged by not their example, but the example of Christ. Because when did Christ stop? He didn't. He didn't. Because death could not even hold him. And therefore, the man of God pursues steadfastness or endurance. Because despite facing hard times, despite experiencing injustice and pain, while you battle grief on top of all these things, you endure. Why do you endure? Because of the grace of Christ that's upon your life. If it's not for Christ's grace, 
then you can't endure either way. When Paul felt like he couldn't anymore, what did he do? Pray three times. And what was his answer? My grace is sufficient, Paul. Keep at it. Keep enduring. Because, dear friends, when life gets hard, Scripture tells us the man of God doesn't become bitter or angry because it's not about you. It's not about you. Our whole existence is for the glory of God. So what does this tell us about the man of God? Number one, he's known or she is known what they flee from and what they pursue. And I know that Pastor and Ria have been pursuing such godliness. But like theirs, our race is not over. And this pursuit has to continue. Therefore, we have another point. And that is that the godly person is known by what we fight for. And what do we fight for? We fight for the faith. Verse 12, real quick. It tells us, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. But to the eternal life to which you were called. And about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The godly person, the believer, the man of God, however you want to title it, is a fighter, a soldier. It's a person who fights against worldliness. It's a person who fights the flesh. It's a person that fights Satan and sin and the corruptions of the gospel. Jude 3 says, we must contend earnestly for the faith. So we've got a fight, right? And the fight is for the faith. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 12 to 13 says, act like men, be strong and be courageous because that is how we fight for the faith. When we man up, amen? When adversity stares us in the face, we don't flee from it, but we trust the hand of God and we man up. We remain courageous because it's not in our strength and it's not in our wisdom, but in the strength and the wisdom that's been given to us by God graciously. Friends, I can say that Pastor Johan has taught many men this truth, as you've heard, and many men took this truth to heart because of the example they've seen in truth as Pastor Yuan continuously fights for the faith. We can't say he fought. They are fighting for the faith. Now friends, what are we doing to fight for the faith? What is going to drive us to continually fight for the faith when there are laws or, 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 or plans for laws in our country to threaten the proclamation of the true gospel. How are we going to keep on fighting for the faith? Paul tells Timothy to take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Timothy, there was a day when Timothy made a confession in Christ. Friends, I assume, I trust, I believe 
that you made a confession on a day. A confession to give your heart to Christ. To put aside your own will and desires for the will and desire of God. Amen? Take hold of that faith to which you proclaim. The writer of Hebrews says, Cling to or hold fast the confession of your faith. Grab a hold of this. Paul says, Keep a grip on eternal life. Because that's what we are fighting for at the end of the day. That is when we arrive. Once the fight is finished, that is when we are entering into eternal life. That is, as David shared earlier, that is the moment when we see with, with new eyes the glory of the risen Christ, the throne of God. We behold, as Revelation says, we will bow. But until that moment, content for the faith. Therefore, friends, the, the man of God rises above these perishing, futile struggles. When I say that, it just it seems so mediocre. But in fact, you know, it's as if we are drowning and overwhelmed when we go through these sufferings. But they are momentary. They will pass. They will cease. Peter says, for a little while. Heck, some of us, our little while is a bit longer than a little while. Remain faithful and fight the good fight. Because it's a battle, and it's a battle we cannot grow tired of. And here's the comfort. We're not fighting for victory. Do you want to know why? Victory is already assured in Christ. Christ has already won the day. Christ has already won the day. So why do we fight the fight? The Lord has told us to do that. The Lord has commanded us to remain faithful and fight the good fight of the faith. Finally, friends, the man of God is faithful to God. Verse 13 and 14. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The task, dear friends, is to remain faithful. The man of God is marked by his faithfulness before God. He is faithful to God. He is faithful to God's mission. He is faithful to keeping the truth from being stained. Till when? Paul says, till the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remain faithful. Remain faithful to the word, your testimony, to the church, to Christ. Remain faithful. Until Jesus comes. <laughs> Hang in there. If you've been hurt by, by a church, you've been hurt by loved ones, you've been hurt by people you've invested in, whom you've trusted in, 
Paul tells young Timothy, don't lose heart. Remain faithful. Our faithfulness is not in man. And dear friends, if your faithfulness is in man, I want to tell you now so that you're not disappointed later. Get over it. You will get hurt. It's unpleasant. It's not nice. The upside is God uses it for our good and for His glory. But don't put your faithfulness in man because even though we are saved by Christ in His good measure, we still fall short. We sin. We live in a body of flesh. Look to Christ. Behold Christ. Listen, dear friends, today I know was an opportunity to uplift Pastor Johan and Ria. But don't look to them for faithfulness. And I'm sure they'll agree. Look to Christ. As they have pursued faithfulness in Christ, we too ought to pursue Christ and Christ alone. Here's the beauty. We do that until Christ appears. Even if the cost is high. Amen? For, for now we have religious freedom. But until when? When will we as a church have to move underground? Regardless, remain faithful. Even if the cost is high. What's the comfort? God is watching. <laughs> It says, I charge you in the presence of God. God is watching. Now don't think of that negatively. Oh, if I don't do this, you know, God's going to clobber me. God is watching. Not so that He's waiting to get to you. God is watching because His eyes are on the righteous. Amen? And so that's the encouragement. Remain faithful. For God's eyes is on the righteous. Does that comfort you? Does that bring a sense of relief that despite fighting COVID and restrictions, despite fighting financial strain, issues with people, just, ah, Christ is good. Christ has promised us the victory. And we will see that. And collectively, as believers, we will one day experience that. But until then, as believers... We ought to be fleeing from evil, pursuing good, fighting for the faith, by being faithful to God. Here's the example in our text. Christ goes before Pilate. Pilate says to Christ, they accuse you of being king. Are you king? Jesus says, yes, I am king. What did it cost him? His life. His life. Courageous and fearless, right? Therefore, Christ is the living example of the one who is truly faithful. And so Paul tells young Timothy to stand for the truth, to hold on to the truth, to preserve the truth in the sight of God. Let Christ be our example. So Pastor Johan and Ria, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, let us not waver. Let us not waver. Our task is not yet done. When those trumpets sound, that's when we know. Alright, it's out of my hands. But until that point, let us not waver. Let us free from what is evil. Pursue godliness. 
Let us fight for God's truth every step of the way. Let us endure much trouble with faithfulness. Not because we can. Because friends, again, you can't. You can't do that, okay? You'll fail in your own strength. You will fail in your own wisdom. But do that in the grace of Christ who has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Do that because Christ is allowing us to do that. Post Johan, Taniria. It's not a trumpet. We trust that the Lord will enable you in my work. And we'll be praying for you guys each day as you serve. And as a church, we'll ensure that there is a connection between our congregations. But my dear brother and sister, content for the faith. Remain faithful. And we know that His hand is upon you. His hand's upon us, dear friends, as a congregation. And let us not waver from the truth. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, by this good word we pray now that we would be encouraged to pursue you, to love you, to know that you are working in our hearts. And I pray that we would remain faithful, that at the end of time, and not for the sake of just hearing it, but for the sake of being faithful, we will hear your beautiful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, we will not accomplish that unless you continue to work in our hearts, unless you continue to conform us into your likeness. Therefore, we pray for your wisdom, your strength, to help us flee, to help us pursue, to help us fight, and to help us remain faithful. We ask this in your name. Amen.